So we're going to talk about something very important that kind of goes great with what I said with the missional community. When we look at the heart of Jesus that shows us who God the Father is, there's one thing that really sticks out to you about the life of Jesus and the actions of Jesus and how he spent his time and who he spent his time with. What is that? He spent his time with the broken. So he didn't come and spend his time in what the culture would classify as the elite, even though God is for all people. He went to the prostitutes. He went to the lepers. He went to the poor and impoverished. And Jesus said, if you see me, you see the Father. So what happens at Restoration Road when we categorize our people group? First of all, we're for anyone. Everyone come. Everyone's welcome through our doors. But when people ask you, what kind of people group are you reaching or trying to reach or contextualizing to, we say we're trying to reach unchurched, local, broken Bostonians. The way we preach our messages, the songs we sing, the way we do that is we're trying to reach people who we would categorize as broken. This could be the divorced. This could be the poor. This could be the addicted. This could be the widows. This could be the fatherless. And you go on and on. When you really break it down, we're all broken, if you want to be honest. But when we talk, like at the missional community, we say we're going to reach people in recovery. Some people say, well, I never even smoked weed in my life. What are you talking about? I have nothing to say. Only thing I popped is a Tic Tac. What? How can I minister to broken people who are battling addiction? And I understand that emotion. Absolutely. I understand that. But what I want us to look at is you don't have to go through the same life situations to call, reach broken people or reach someone from any demographic. If you want to talk about someone who had an excuse not to reach broken people, look at Jesus. I'm talking sinless. You want t- someone that had a a great resume as a child, had great teen years, didn't do the stupid stuff in high school. Imagine Jesus had that excuse. He wouldn't reach anyone because he's perfect. But he who was perfect made himself, condescended down to those who were broken that he might share the gospel of Jesus Christ and people restored. And Jesus changed not from the top to the bottom, but from the bottom to the top. Do you guys hear me? People always tell me, oh, you got to be with the rich people. You got to be with the professors. No. From the bottom to the top, it was changed by the disciples of Jesus. And you go to the broken first. We look at, I was in New York this week. They're messed up out there. That place is so messed up. I'm sorry. Lillian, you're from New York right now? I apologize. I didn't know we had. Tony, I'm sorry too. There's great people out there, I know. But I say messed up in the ways it's Boston on steroids. You try to let someone cross the street, man, they yell at you. It's crazy stuff going on there. But the reason I say it, you look at that culture and everyone's trying to get to the top. Everyone's like, if I only can get to the top, I can shape culture. What the gospel is, let's get to the bottom and change it from the bottom up, from the broken being restored. All of a sudden, you go down to the docks, you get fishermen, and they become apostles in your church. It's just amazing how Jesus does that. I want us to have the heart of Jesus. And you only have the heart of Jesus When you understand that the gospel, people might look, I walked by a homeless man in New York this week, 
And he was really broken down. I'm talking, you could smell urine. He was dirty. He had a sign. I don't know if Joe even noticed. We just came out of McDonald's. And um, I kind of wanted to do it undercover. But then I felt it was a good example for the message. So I'm out with myself right now. So I gave him a little money. And as I saw him there, many people would say, that's a broken man. But you know that broken man with the blanket, dirty, smelling like urine, needing money. That that's who we are spiritually when Christ saves us. You guys know that? And when you see yourself the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of God. When you see yourself homeless and destitute and smelling like urine and dirty, then you're more likely to love those who are broken. Because you no, no longer see yourself as above. You see yourself on the same level, level and then you give money and you care. Do you guys hear that? The gospel affects everything the way we care for the broken. So let's turn to Luke. We're going to talk about the thief on the cross today. Has anyone ever heard the story of the thief on the cross? We're going to call this sermon the criminal salvation. I preached it over at Genesis. I'm going to customize it a little bit. I wanted you guys to hear that this week. But if we could turn to Luke, actually chapter 23, verses 32 through 43. <clears throat> it said, two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death, put to death with him, meaning Jesus. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father God, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said to Jesus, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. It's one of my favorite stories in Scripture. You want to talk about the worst resume in the history of Christianity, you've got to talk about the thief on the cross. What did this man do to deserve the grace of that moment? If you want to try to build religion on works, you, the thief of the cross is not getting the paradise. You are... Under capital punishment, you are being executed. It's such a bad crime that you're being executed next to Jesus. People are mocking you. They're cheering you. They're saying you're worthless. You're a criminal. You look to Jesus and say, just remember me. And he says, today you'll see me in my kingdom. You want to talk about a change of events. How did he show up at the pearly gates? How'd you get here? I just said, I believe. I just looked over and said, remember me, Jesus. That's how the kingdom of God is. Jesus was telling a story there. He was putting down all the self-righteous. Don't you dare think you're something. This man had the worst resume in history, and Jesus caused him to be a broken piece of glass in a mosaic that is the kingdom of God. 
Is that not you and me? I was reading today. As I read this morning, I heard a story of a guy that walked with a sculptor. And as they walked through Philadelphia, he'd always pick up broken pieces of glass. And his buddy was like, what are you doing? What he didn't realize is his, his buddy was a sculptor, and he was taking all those pieces of glass and making a beautiful mosaic. Do you know that's the kingdom of God? Me and you, broken pieces. He's picking up, and he's making a beautiful mosaic that speaks the glory of his son, Jesus. Because when you see that cross, you don't say, man, that thief was awesome. What a guy. That guy, good example. You say he's so messed up. But he believed. And Jesus made him a broken piece that shined the light of Jesus. Amen? Wow. See, Jesus, you know how people love, I see politicians, I see these people, I see, even see these fake evangelists. They love taking pictures with the elite. Like, who, look who I'm with. Look at this politician. Look who supports my church. I'm something. You know who Jesus was taking pictures with? The prostitutes. You know who he's taking pictures with? The lepers. You know who he's taking pictures with? The homeless. That was his video. If you do that video shoot on Facebook, you look back and say he was just with the broken. He was with the hurt. And the people he used were broken. How messed up was Moses? How messed up was David? How messed up was Paul? He took these broken pieces, he put them together through the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he identified himself as a criminal. You've got to understand this. Because if you identify with Jesus, some people aren't going to like you. Because Jesus is a lot better than us, and they didn't like him. Jesus wasn't executed in honor or dignity. He was executed as the worst kind of criminals. Think about the criminals who are on death row. Are they good guys? You ever read their last words? It's some of the most messed up stuff if you read their last words. And then you hear Jesus' last words. Father God, forgive them for they know what, not what they do. Jesus identified himself as a criminal because it's a gospel for the broken. Imagine this. They bring a prostitute to him. They find her in the act of prostitution, sleeping with a married man. All the religious leaders, they come and they throw this woman in front of Jesus. And they say, Jesus, you're supposed to be our Messiah. You're supposed to be the ultimate rabbi. You know the law says this woman should be executed. There's stones in their hands raised. The lowest of all society, right? She's a prostitute. People look funny at prostitutes, right? They're lower than us, right? Not in God's kingdom. Not in God's kingdom. And he twists the script on him. He said, you. He's not looking at people who even in the congregation. Say, you pastors, you rabbi, you religious leaders, him without sin, cast the first stone. And these self-righteous, pompous leaders, even they couldn't cast the stone. They walked away. You know what happened to that woman? She became a leader in God's church. She became a leader. She had seven demons that were oppressing her. They were cast out by the glory of God, by Jesus Christ, and she became a leader in a broken piece that became part of the mosaic that shined the light of Jesus. Amen? That's why we need to not see someone that's below us or someone that's too dirty or someone who can't be saved. We need to see someone who can be restored and made part of the kingdom of God. It's a criminal salvation. We're all criminals. We've all broken the law of God. We've all sinned and fallen short. If there's ten commandments, we've knocked down nine easy in our hearts. We're all criminals who have been saved 
and pardoned and our debt has been wiped clean. Can I get an amen or a hallelujah or something that's stirring in you? Come on now. I know we're not Pentecostal, but we can get excited sometimes. And it's amazing because these two thieves, these two thieves had a front row seat to the greatest act of intercession in history, in history. You know, when I go to the movies, I have all these kind of hidden laws that mess up my life. My hidden laws mess up my life because no one else is following them. So when I go in the movies, you're supposed to be there early. You're supposed to get prepped, get your popcorn, get settled. You paid your money. Let's focus. Everyone hasn't got the memo of my hidden laws. People walk in with babies. If you walk in a baby in a movie theater, stop being a member of Restoration Road right now. I'm only kidding. We'll show you grace. We'll show you grace. It's always that person that decides they don't want to pay for the popcorn and the candy, so they bring tin foil with cookies in them, and they're opening up in the biggest scene of the movie. Or that person who decides to pay for a ticket and be on their phone the whole movie. So I think I'm in the clear. I go to see Suicide Squad, the worst movie in the history of America. I'm all excited. How is Jared Leto going to do the Joker? Let's do this. And I think I'm in the clear. Everyone seems to be following my hidden law. Ten minutes in, a woman walked in. I could tell she was distracted from the get-go. I said, she's going to sit right in front of me because that's how I believe. She sat right in front of me. I'm trying to grow in sanctification and maturity, so I said, I'm going to make it through. She proceeded to go on Facebook right when she sat down. I'm not sanctified enough. I had to move up to the front row, and I proceeded to watch Suicide Squad without distraction. I knew it was the worst movie I've seen in the last two years. But the reason I say that is when you're in the back row, you can sometimes be so distracted you don't catch what's going on. These men had front row seats. Their hands were pierced like Jesus' hands were pierced. Their feet were pierced. They were being mocked. They were getting ready to face death. They were going through all the things in the front row, seeing Jesus Christ, everything he said, hearing the sides, knowing the brokenness, seeing people yell at him, front row seat to what was going on. Now, one of them might have been thinking, man, if my mom just raised me better or my dad did better or if I was in a better town or the justice system was easier on me, I wouldn't be here. They became the victim, right? They said, oh, if many things went different, I wouldn't be here. So many ways to justify. So many ways to be the victim. But Jesus being the true victim, what does he say? He has a way. He, if anyone can complain on the cross, it's Jesus, right? He's innocent and in being executed. What comes out of the mouth of the Son of God, the Savior of the world? No complaint, no blasphemy. He intercedes for the people who are murdering him. And he says, Father God, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now that shakes the soul, does it not? How do we react when we feel people are mistreating us? Do we give them the silent treatment or do we give them the loud treatment? How do we react when we're feeling mistreated? Hold on, brother. Let me pray for you. The way you're treating me, I love this. Let's intercede for you. Jesus is getting murdered. He's God. He said, he has such a heart of compassion and mercy for the broken. He looks at him and says, they don't even know what they're doing right now. They have no idea they're murdering the Savior of the world. They have no idea. They're putting to death the one who all things were made through. They have no idea that they're pinning the Savior of the world to the cross 
They're actually rejoicing in it. And he prays and intercedes. And these two men were front row seats to that. Have two total different reactions to that. Have you ever seen people have totally two different reactions when you're trying to help them? It comes down to the heart. Someone will be totally humbled and thank you for caring. Someone will be like, you, it's all your fault. Your fault. Trying to help me ruin my life. It's like people when you go to the hospital, right? I love the hospital. I'm strange. Because if I'm in the hospital, I know I'm messed up enough to go to the hospital. So the reason I love the hospital is because I know there's people there that can care for me and help me. So about three or four months ago, I got a kidney stone. You ever had a kidney stone? It is the worst pain you will ever experience. At least that's what the doctor told me. I don't know if he's trying to make me feel better. He said, for guys, this is a 10 out of 10. I said, thank you. Because I'm moaning and groaning. I'm apologizing. I'm saying, I'm not this guy that wants attention. I'm apologizing to the ambulance driver. It was the worst pain in my life. And when that doctor walked in to care for me and shot me with whatever he shot me with to stop the pain, I was like, I love you. You, brother, just thanking God for doctors, the hospital, happy, you changed my life. Have you seen other people in the hospital? I saw a guy comes in with a heart attack. He came in with a heart attack, but he's kind of walking around. So he came with a heart attack. He said, I think I had a heart attack. I had to leave work. The nurse comes in. She's asking him questions and says, do you smoke? He said, I do smoke, and I'm not stopping smoking. I said, well, he's mad at the nurse. He's mad at the nurse because he's smoking and having a heart attack. His friends proceed to come in. He's telling his friends, they're asking me I'm smoking. I'm not stopping smoking. These people are ridiculous here at the hospital. Horrible hospital. I'm waiting 20 minutes. They told me he couldn't have coffee because of the caffeine because he just had a heart attack. He's like, I'm having my coffee. I was like, what are you doing? Then the doctor comes in. He yells at the doctor for asking the same questions. The poor doctor is sitting there like, didn't you come to the hospital? Is this not the emergency room? You're mad at me because I'm trying to care for you. It showed polluted hearts. And some people are convicted because you've been yelling at your nurses. It shows a polluted heart when you become violent in the way you treat those people who are trying to care for you. And the reason I share that is because you have total two different reactions. You've got two criminals, one on each side of Jesus, and one begins to rail against Jesus just like the crowd. He said, if you're the Savior, if you're the Son of God, why don't you bring yourself off that cross? Now this man is a filthy sinner. This man's condemned to death. This man is undeserving, and he looks to the pure one and says, if you are what you are, get yourself on the cross, mocking Jesus. That's a bad response to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's a bad response to being front row to the salvation of the world. What does the other man say to him? I love how he came out the gate. The one who knew he was undeserving, the, number, the one who knew he took the wrong path in life, the one who knew he hurt his mom and hurt his dad and hurt his brother and sister when he kept making the wrong decisions over and over again that hurt their life, hurt their family, and hurt their hope for them. What did he do? He looked and he called out the other criminal first. I love when someone comes out the gate. He rebuked the other criminal and said, how dare you do this? Have you no fear of God? He doesn't re- deserve death. We deserve it. He doesn't. He's perfectly innocent. How can you not see that with your eyes? You're in the front row. And he says one of the most beautiful and powerful passages that put him in gospel history. He looks at Jesus. 
and said, will you remember me in your kingdom? Now, you don't know what kind of response you're going to get, right? Because you've done nothing. What does he have in himself to think that the Savior world will forgive him? His only hope is that the heart of God is compassionate for the broken. That's his only hope, that the God we serve and love worship reaches down to the broken and restores them. That's his only hope. You want to talk about being nervous and being rejected? Who knows what's going through his mind? I'm going to say this because I believe it. And Jesus looks. Even on the cross, Jesus is saving people, just looking to them and speaking words of life. And he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Do you imagine the change in somebody? I'm not talking about me even telling you that. It's someone you really look up to. The Son of God looks and says, you who have been condemned to death, You'll be with me in paradise. That means you're forgiven. That means you're loved. That means you're in the favor of God. That means you'll be loved for God for all eternity. That means you're part of my kingdom. Is that unbelievable? Wow. Thank you, Pastor. Amen. It's so important that we see this because people teach us that we need to be in the limelight and we need to be with the elite and you need to be with people who are cheering you on. But the deepest and most satisfying moments of your faith following Jesus will be when no one sees you and you're in a prison visiting someone that needs you. It'll be when no one sees you and your friend has just gone on cocaine again and they're detoxing. It'll be when no one sees you and that father's child who's looking for an example, a male role model looks to you and you speak encouragement into the life and say, you can do it, you can make it, God's gonna change your life. Those are the most satisfying moments as a Christian. Not when people are praising you when they're praising Jesus, amen? That's where you wanna be. So I wanna say this, a few application points. Just like our Savior, just like the one we follow, just like our King, I want to ask you this question. Who is God calling you to visit in prison? Because that's where the followers of Jesus should be. Who's in prison that you need to be visiting? Secondly, who is God placing in your life who suffers from addiction that you need to help care for so they can continue to be sober? Who's poor around you and they need your generosity to give to them so they can make it through another day? Who doesn't have a dad or a mom and needs you to act as their father or act as their mother? Who's sick and needs your care? Some of the most glorious saints who seem last on this earth will be first in heaven are the ones who are caring for the sick that you don't see. Day after day, they're cleaning and loving and caring and praying for those who are sick. Let's allow ourselves to go into broken pieces, places, pick up broken pieces, and be a light of Jesus to the world. Who is God praying for you? Think of your worst enemy. You can't stand him. You just got aggravated. I even brought it up. Who is your worst enemy? I mean, you think of him, it will mess up your day. Will you forgive them and pray for them and say, Father, forgive them? They know not what they do. My heart forgives them. Some of you today need to let go and forgive those who have hurt you. And you're going to see that Jesus work in your life. And finally, last application. You have a lot of people praying for those they love, family and friends, who it seems like they're never going to turn to Jesus. This story should speak such encouragement into your life that Jesus saves people on their deathbed. 
that see, Jesus saves people when they're in a horrible car accident and they know it's their last breath, but you preach the gospel to them. They look to the heavens and say, Father God, forgive me. Remember me in your kingdom. For that father, the mother, or the sister, brother, or friend who's been rejecting Jesus, and before their final breath, we'll never know until we get into paradise. They accepted Jesus. When you come through those gates, you're surprised to see him, but you shouldn't be surprised because Jesus has a heart for the broken. Amen? Find hope for those you think are hopeless because Jesus reaches out to the hopeless and gives them an eternal hope. Let's pray.